Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, guys. It is good being back with you again. We are here for episode 53 of the Holy Man podcast as we continue to look into the book that Gene Getz wrote uh, several years ago called A Measure of a Man, 20 Attributes of a Godly Man. And he took those attributes out of what Paul wrote to young Timothy and Titus in trying to help those guys learn how they disciple other men and how to raise them up in the church and uh, what it's attributes that all of us men and ladies should be aspiring to. And uh, so today I have a, a guest with me today. Uh, I think he's the first one besides Pastor Mike, who is a repeat oh. re- a returner to wow. the uh, podcast. I think so. I'd have to think back through if any other guys were on here more than once, but uh, I have Grant Austin with me today. Grant, welcome to the Holy Man Podcast. Thank you. This is great. Yeah. I'm I'm here. Yeah. Uh, As I was looking at this attribute, uh, because of conversations that Grant and I have had over the years, this one uh, came to mind for you, Grant, as we both have struggled with this one a little bit. Yes. Yes. And uh uh, Grant, just tell the guys quickly, for those that don't know, uh, if they didn't listen to the the first one that you were on with me, just uh, what your job is like, what your family dynamics are like, just so they can get an idea of uh, what's going on in your life. Yeah, uh, I work at New Life full time. Um, you may or may have seen me on stage, but um, during the week, I am doing a lot of video work and audio and graphic design stuff and office business stuff as well, um, kind of behind the scenes stuff. Um, I am married to my high school sweetheart, Lindsay, and we have three amazing kids, um, who are, uh, six, three and like 16 months or 15 months. Lots of energy. Yes. Lots of energy. Lucy comes in here. She's goes to our preschool here and she came in this morning and I don't know what you fed her for breakfast, but that girl had lots of energy this yeah, morning. I don't think we have to feed her and she has <laughs> energy. So it's not a dull moment at our house ever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fun. Uh, we both have kids. We love telling each other stories about our kids and, uh, and it's fun to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Grant, we're talking about, uh, it's, it's an attribute again, as I mentioned that you and I have, we've joked about this a little bit. We both have had moments where we have struggled with this and Gene gets in his book. He, he titles it, uh, treating others fairly or the word that shows up in the Bible quite often for this, uh, this Greek word is gentle. Mm. Uh, so, so treating others fairly, uh, and I just want to help us to understand more of what the Greek word means. It's one of those hard words to translate as found in Timothy three, three, uh, the Greek word is, 
and I don't, this is a hard one to pronounce as well, not just translate. <laughs> Epikes, I think is the best way to pronounce it. Epikes. Uh, many of the recent translations, if you find it in, uh, in the scriptures, it says the word gentle, but it's not the same gentle that we might find like in the, uh, the list of the fruit of the spirit where you find gentleness. It's not the same Greek word. And so uh, the Amplified Bible has like a definition for it. Whenever you read through it, it says that Epikes is not combative, but gentle and considerate. So it throws in that extra word of considerate in there. It's not quarrelsome, but forbearing and peaceable. So it's the idea of being equitable and fair in relation to the bigger picture. So it's looking at the bigger picture of a person's life and instead of just that split second moment in time when they acted or said what they just did, you don't make your own judgment on that moment. Instead, you look at the bigger picture of their life and you are fair to them in relation to their life and truthfully the lives of the people around as well. Uh, William Barclay, he, uh, he shares a, a understanding of this that I really appreciate. He says, Epikes means retreating from the letter of the law or being right to better preserve the spirit of being right. Grant, I really like that, mm -hmm. that understanding, because uh, that's where you and I can get, uh, you know, a little bit off when we look at the black and the white yeah. of the letter of the law. That's what, yeah, that's, that, that, uh, really hits home. <laughs> it does. It does. And, and I didn't, truthfully, I, when I was reading this chapter in Gene Getz and hearing what this was all about, I didn't like it mm -hmm. because I just watched how it applied to my family life and my work life and life in general. Yeah. Uh, Aristotle, the great uh, thinker said this, he said to pardon th that this word means to pardon human failings, to look to the law giver or God, not to the law itself. Look to the intention, not to the action. Look to the whole picture, not to the part of the picture or that split moment. Uh, look to the entire character of the actor in the long run and not to the present moment. <laughs> so it causes us to look at the gray a little bit, mm, guys. And not just the black and the white. Grant, you and I love black and white, don't oh, we? Oh, yeah. It's just so clear. <laughs> it, it's, it's so much easier if we yeah. could just live there because we know what is right and yep. what is wrong. And if we just make judgments based on that, life can be so much easier. Oh, yeah. So, And we like those simple rules in all aspects of life. So, you know, Grant, as you think of this one, uh, I, I think to both... Of the, of the black and the white and the gray. And what are some of those areas that you might struggle with this one a little bit? Oh man. I mean like uh, a petty one, I would guess maybe would say be like with my wife and I's relationship, like I am black and white single tasker, um, focus on one thing, do it. And, um, like example, my wife, um, getting ready in the morning, it takes her, I would argue <laughs> like, you know, uh -oh. an hour more than it should. No, not that much. Like I hear you 30 minutes more than it should. Yeah. And then I watch her do it and it's because she does one thing and then she gets sidetracked. Like, Oh, I need to check this thing on the internet. 
And then she gets sidetracked and sidetracked and sidetracked. And her and I kind of banter. My wife never does that. (laughs) (laughs) My wife came into the room just last night and Valerie was with her, my daughter. And she came into the room and she was looking at one of the walls in our living room. And she says, I think the color blue would work. Mm. And so my mind, because of knowing my wife, what am I thinking? She wants it, to paint the whole room, probably thinking about moving furniture, moving yeah. the whole house because she, she just goes above and beyond yeah. and doing those things. And so instantly I said, wait, wait, wait what are we doing? <laughs> and Valerie says, dad, we're just painting a picture to put on the wall. I'm like, Oh, praise oh, the Lord. Okay. <sighs> because, you know, again, she can get distracted and she can say, we're going to do this one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it turns into multiple things. Yeah. And so I just like to focus yeah. on the exactly. one thing at a time. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was, Grant, you and I, we struggle sometimes with, uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's sometimes that we have to work with other people on our yes. staff yep. and they don't always see things as perfectly as you and I do. Exactly. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, come on. Why can't they just see things the way yeah. we see them? But the problem is Grant, what I, what I found is that if we expect them to live within our boundaries, within our black and white, yeah. then they need to expect us to live within the black and the white also yeah. and to not have gray with us. And yeah. I don't like that idea. No. No, and no, it always gets turned on me. That's uncomfortable. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> because, and truthfully, there are times when, when I, then I struggle because I want to make sure I'm staying within the black mm-hmm. and the white. Yeah. Cause I don't want to disappoint others. Yeah, I'll be extra have- hard on myself over it too. Cause then I try to put myself in that same position. I'm like, wait, I'm not even living up to those black and white rules. Yeah. And so so it makes it hard for us because we, we love it to know that God is having grace on us, Mm -hmm. that he's treating us based on the big picture and not just in our moments when we get it wrong. Exactly. But there are times when, when I know you and I both, we, we self judge ourselves Mm -hmm. and we can't see ourselves through the eyes of what God sees us. And that can be hard for us. And so we, so even with this one, it's not just how we look at others and how we treat others. It's how we treat ourselves, guys. Mm-hmm, for sure. Because I know that there's more of you guys out there. It's, that's not just Grant and I, that yeah. there's others of you out there that struggle with this one. That we judge ourselves, we judge others based on the moments in time instead of looking at the bigger picture and seeing that. I don't know if you know this, but people are messy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that whole picture idea is kind of a huge thing of what I think is Aristotle talking about just like not looking at one part of it, but the whole thing. Um, that helps, I think, with relationships in the public, in working, knowing the full picture of what they're doing. I think that, that people could be challenging. I just listened to a another podcast. It's uh, it was the one on chemic uh, chemistrystaffing.com. Mm-hmm. and uh, and I listened to this one once in a while. And it was one that was telling a story about messy people, <clears throat> and the fact, <clears throat> excuse me, and the fact that there's a woman out there that brought a lawsuit against Hershey foods, which creates all those good candies Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. And they got one of those pumpkins that you can get at Halloween and Thanksgiving time. So the peanut butter melt away pumpkins, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But on the packaging, it showed that this pumpkin was going to look like a jack-o'-lantern. So it was going to have like the triangle eyes and the mouth and everything. But when she opened up the packaging, it was just plain chocolate. It did not have the face on it. And so she sued Hershey for $5 million oh my. for false advertising. Wow. So I have not yet heard <laughs> what, you know, and so this, what's, what was this lady thinking? Yeah. 
But yet that's the kind of messy people that we have out there that they think the way they think instead of thinking perfectly the way we think. And that's the people that we deal with on Sunday mornings, on Mm -hmm. our staff. They're, they're just, we're all including us Grant. Yes. We are messy people. And so being hard nosed with these people being black and white, it might be easier, but is it godly? Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. It is a good question. So as we look at, uh, you know, different scriptures, different stories where we see God interacting with people, Jesus more in particular interacting, you know, it's fun to look for this attribute in, in scripture. And, and mm-hmm. one story that Grant, I don't know if you know this story very well, but it's in John chapter eight. And it's a story where we see Jesus interacting with a crowd of people. And I truly believe that this attribute, Epikes, shines through Jesus in a big way in this story. Mm. It's a story. Let me just set it up really quickly here. It's the one where you might know this story. Uh, It's where a woman is caught in the act of adultery. And that's never debated. You know, Jesus agrees at the end of the story She was, Mm -hmm. she was in sin. She was caught in the act of adultery. That's never debated throughout the entire story. So it's true. Now we don't see the bigger part of the story. We don't know who it was that she was having this adulterous relationship with. Yeah. We don't know what led to this adulterous relationship. We don't know if she was forced into it or whether she was voluntary. It doesn't matter. She was, Mm -hmm. we don't see the bigger picture of it, but then the crowd of people, including the religious leaders brings this woman to Jesus and they're wanting to trap him in the story. And so they throw her down in front of Jesus and says the, the law which is true, the law of Moses, which Jesus wrote, he knew the law. Oh yeah. He knew, he wrote it. And so (laughs) the law says that uh, a person, not just a woman, but any person caught in the act of adultery. So why didn't they bring the dude? Yeah. I I don't know that. that, We don't, it's it's one of the questions that we all wonder. So she was caught in the act of adultery. So she should be stoned to death. Her life should be taken from her based on the literal law that we find in the law, in the law of Moses. So Jesus never debates the law. He never says, that's not what the law says. He never <laughs> questions that. It's true. Yeah. He, he understands that. Yeah. So he, but here's the bigger picture now. If we talk about epikes, I can't say epikes, that's how it is. Uh, as we think of this word of gentleness or treating people in the gray a little bit, I want to say, instead of the black and the white, Jesus knows this woman's heart. He knows the bigger story. He knows what her life has looked like up to this point. Mm. And so Jesus wants to see her through those eyes. Yeah. Now, the other part of this grant where I see this word epikes of being gentleness, you know, do you notice how he interacts with the religious leaders and all those people are having the stones in their hands, wanting to stone him? What does Jesus do? Do you remember the story? What does he do in this moment? Well, I wish I knew what, but doesn't he write in the, in the ground? I wish we knew what he actually put there. I do. But it does make them shift their thoughts for sure. Like, the, And he makes them pause. Uh-huh. He, he makes them take a moment to reflect yeah. whether they wanted to or not. <laughs> yeah. He treated them with epikes because let's face it, True. he's God. He sees the horrible hearts that these people are dealing with in this moment. Mm-hmm. He, granted, they're wanting to carry out the letter of the law but they're not wanting to see the bigger picture. Yeah. They're not wanting to love 
even the unlovable. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus could have smited them. He could have put it, pulled it all so Sodom and Gomorrah on them if he wanted to. Yeah. He's God. Mm-hmm. He could have judged them for their judging hearts, but he didn't. Yeah. He was even gentle with them. True. And, you know, and so that's something that blesses me because, you know, if I'm Jesus in this moment, I want to knock these guys silly. Oh yeah, for sure. But then he, do, he kind of does in a spiritual way. Yeah. Cause he says to them, let those without sin cast the first stone. And so he calls them on it and yep. says, Hey, we're all sinful. Yep. And so they all walk away. And then Jesus interacts with the woman. And again, he's Jesus based on his own guidelines. He could have stoned her to death because mm-hmm. he's the only one sitting there without sin exactly. in his life. Yeah. But even there, he does not, he does he holds her accountable. He says, go and sin no more. So he lets True. her know that you sinned. He doesn't mix words with that, but he shares grace yep. with the person who didn't deserve grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah. I really appreciate this story. Uh, he shares epikies with her. He is gentle with her. He looks at the bigger picture and he loves her in a way that uh, he, he deal. Now I wish I would have seen the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. We wish we would have seen the backstory. I wish I w- wish I, we could see the rest of this woman's story. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did she do with the rest of her life? It'd be interesting. To- How did she respond? Yeah. How did, you know, did, did she go and sin no more, at least in this area? True. Yeah. Uh, and so I wish we would know all that, but it, it shows how Jesus interacts with the entire person, the heart of the person. And, and Grant, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that we see Jesus interacting with her in this way because then it translates to how he's going to interact with you and I. Oh yeah. That's really reassuring. I mean, it's comforting almost like knowing that he is, he is fair, but also loving. And that, that is huge. Yeah. He he doesn't say it's no big deal. Yeah. He doesn't brush it off. Not at all. Yeah. Go and sin no more. That's part of what he shares because he knows if you don't sin anymore, your life is going to be better. Mm Mm-hmm. But in the moment, he shares grace, which grace in that moment surely is going to move this woman to say, my life was almost gone. Yeah. Her life passed before her eyes yeah. in those moments. She thought she was dead. Yep. And all of a sudden, she has a new opportunity to live. Yep. The cool thing is Jesus is fair with each person based upon their story and their hearts. Mm-hmm. So Grant, can you think of any other Bible stories or any other words from any of the other great writers of scripture that, that can help us uh, see this one a little clearer? I think uh, of story that there's two stories that kind of stand out. One is showing God's um, ability to do this, even in the old Testament. And it's when um, God wants to destroy Sodom mm. and Abraham's talking to him and he can, he, Abraham's dialogue with God saying, well, if there's 50 righteous people, would you kill them with along with the evil? And he gets him, whittles it down to like, well, what if there's only even like 10, I think he gets down to. Um, and, and he has this dialogue with God and God is being fair and looking at the whole picture. And uh, I don't know, just like the open mind of, I'm going to have this conversation with Abraham um, and kind of swayed him not to destroy or not kill those people. Yeah. If there is sin, yeah. he's going to hold them accountable. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm willing to look at the bigger picture. Yeah. If there is grace that can be shared, yeah. God is first willing to share grace. Yep. That's a great one. Yeah. That, and you think about how that 
helped Abraham look at others differently. True. Oh, yeah. You know, as he dealt with Lot, his nephew <laughs> later on, you know, yeah. they interacted with some things. And so how do you interact with them? How's he interact with Sarah, mm-hmm. his own wife? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In this way, you know, again, you know, you and I, we have wives that are just, they're messy, just like you and I are. Yep, yep. And so interacting with them, you know, Abraham learned both grace yeah. and accountability. Yeah. And how important that is with when he had Isaac then too. True. Because I don't know about you, but my kids push me sometimes <laughs> on the boundaries. Yeah. 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 Rules are pretty black and white and they like to really <sighs> dive into the gray area of that. <laughs> I remember back Andrew, who is my young adult now, uh, when he was Daniel's age. Okay. So when he was just getting close to that middle school age, mm-hmm. oh, he loved pushing our buttons. <laughs> We would say, Andrew, don't walk on the curb. He was walking on the curb where cars were right next to him. Mm-hmm. Don't walk on the curb thinking we want to keep you safe. Yeah. He didn't walk. He skipped. Mm. Yeah. Oh. There you go. It's a nice gray. It was gray. Yeah. He and followed he, you. He did. He followed he, the rules. He followed the rules, <laughs> black and white, but he pushed me into the gray and I just wanted to, Oh yeah, uh, yeah I wanted to uh, yeah. call him on that. And yeah. so- yeah, we, we deal with our kids and they're messy. And so this is a great story where Abraham learned how God interacts with mm-hmm. messy people. Yeah. You said you had another one? Is there? Yeah, it's kind of, it's not with God. It's more of um, just uh, another um, pillar, I guess, in the Bible, David. And it's when he finally becomes king. Um, this short thing about Mephibosheth mm-hmm. and having him sit at the table with him. And I, I, I don't know a lot of the history, but like, um, he was the bloodline of Mephibosheth was the bloodline of Saul. Correct. And usually when Kings took power, they would kill, they would seek out the bloodline and kill the former bloodline. When we see that quite often. In yeah. Scripture. So, so then he actually extends the grace and he had, I mean, he was best friends with Mephibosheth's dad, Jonathan. Correct. Okay. So he extends grace. They were friends and he's not going to go and just kill out the bloodline. He's going to, extend grace and fairness and say, no, come and sit at my table with me. I think it's a cool thing. Huge to story. The, f- the full picture of, yeah, that, that's what society did was kill the bloodline, but no, we were called to, to love people and accept them. That shows, you know, David is called a man after God's own yeah. heart. And I think that's one of those great moments. You're so right that we see this epikies play yeah. out in David's life and how he treats others. Uh, he could have lip, done the letter of the law, Oh yeah. That sure. everyone would have supported. Oh yeah. That's what probably some expected. of his advisors would have wanted him to do that. <laughs> like don't no, don't do that. Yeah. You need to, yeah. But he doesn't, he yep. opens it up. That's two great stories. And that's the thing there's, we find as, as I started thinking about this characteristic or mm-hmm. this attribute of a godly man, uh, we find it all throughout scripture. Oh yeah. We find God sharing it with people, but we also find godly people mm-hmm. learning from God and sharing it yeah. with others. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And this is one I've grown a lot in this one over the years. I have to admit, uh, I'm not as black and white as I used to be. There's no doubt that that my first congregation where I was a pastor probably would love for me to come back as their pastor Mm -hmm. with what I've learned over the years. You know, my 20 some years of being a pastor, uh, I, I was black and white uh, and I interacted with some people who I looked at them, inspected them. If you're a Christian, this is how you should act. (laughs) And when they didn't, I didn't want to put them in leadership because you weren't 
as perfect yeah. as I am, yeah. as black and white as I am. And so I know I probably hurt some individuals. I know I did. And, uh, and I, you know, kept some people from growing in their faith and ministry because of how black and white I was mm -hmm. in those early days. But praise God, I had some great mentors and had some people of wisdom who asked me some great questions to help me think this one through a little bit. And I've changed a lot. Yeah. I, I no. don't get me wrong, Grant. <laughs> I'm not fully there yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> and people who are like, kind of just naturally black and white it's it's kind of a fallback like you have to keep yourself in check and it's just very easy to go into autopilot and just go back to black and white so it so is and so thanks be to god that there are godly people who or even you know i'm sure our, your wife like my wife when they see us maybe with our working with our kids mm -hmm. too much in the black and white uh you know my my word you know sometimes people pick a word of the year yeah my word of the year this year is mercy. Uh. My wife kind of said, you should have that for your word. <laughs> and basically she's saying, you know, don't be as black and white with your kids uh, yeah. and with others. Yeah. As, and that's basically what she was saying with me yeah. without saying it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I get it. It's true uh, that I, you're right. I can easily. And with Daniel being the ADHD kid that yeah. he is man, that really pushes me. Oh yeah. I could see that. Like you want to go back to black and white, but yeah, that, that would be rough. I mean, even though Andrew pushed me a little bit in his middle school years, yeah. he was not a pusher <laughs> other than those few years. Yeah. My Andrew, he's probably, unfortunately, Andrew, I hope if you're listening to this, he's probably more like me okay. in the black and yeah, the white. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he, and I see him having those moments when he's interacting with Daniel mm. where he struggles with him. Yeah. Because he expects Daniel to toe the line, to mm -hmm. find himself in the boundaries and not be beyond that. Yep. So we find ourselves there. And so now I've grown. I've, I've become a lot more uh, gentle, <laughs> as this word might be, with people. And, and truthfully, it's because of my journey of being a pastor. I've, I've learned that people have stories. Yeah. And when people are messy, when they are dealing with, when they're acting the way they're acting, my what I've learned to try to ask the question of now is who was it that hurt them or mm -hmm. did something to mm -hmm. them that's now causing them to act the way they're yeah. acting? Yeah. Because they, everyone has a story. Yeah. I think that's huge. I think uh, you kind of talked to me about that early on when you first um, started working here and we've talked about being black and white and kind of knowing that knowing the person's full story really helps in, finding the gray and where they're at in their life and their, their, their spiritual journey. Yeah. But I'm counseling people when they're sharing, whether it's marital counseling or individual counseling, when they start telling me, this is my present problem that I'm dealing with mm -hmm. or that we're dealing with as a couple. I always ask the question, well, tell me about your faith journey. You know, mm -hmm. Tell me your journey yeah. or tell me about your childhood. I hate to go back that far, but that's where a lot of us got messed yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, and for many different reasons. Um, you know, Daniel, when he comes home from school and he says these certain words, they might be words that Karen and I never use those words mm -hmm. or those phrases. And so I could very quickly judge him and say, Daniel, you're being a bad boy. Yeah. But the bigger question is who taught you yeah. to that? These are words or the, these phrases are good phrases to use. Yep. And you're going to have that as you, oh, yeah. you know, send your kids that are now in school, they're growing up yep. and they're going to start learning things that you didn't teach them. Lindsay certainly didn't teach nope. them. 
but they, they learned them somewhere. So we need to interact with them based on the big picture of their lives, not just the little picture, little moment. Yeah, sure. So, well, Grant, you know, what other ideas do you have for the guys, you know, cause you've grown in this. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're better today than what you were five years ago. Praise God. Yep. So what are some other ways that maybe you can help a guy that out there that is listening to this and saying, man, that's my issue. I struggle with people in this way. What can you share with them that maybe they can take a step in? Uh, for me, it was, I think better understanding. I mean, it's, I'm always, I think I'm growing in that and learning it more and more and experiencing it. But understanding God's grace and how like, I think God's grace for you, you mean yeah, for myself in general, because I know I expect black and white things, but I don't necessarily follow all of those things. And, and God does expect things from us or want things from us, but we don't always do that. We miss the mark. And um, just like, I think Paul says, I'm like, I am the chief center of, mm. I, I know what I do. No one else knows what I think my thoughts like. So knowing that and knowing that God still loves me, he still, he's, he forgives me daily, maybe every hour. I don't know. (laughs) And so knowing that and falling into that grace, like it just helps me to have that, to extend that grace to other people. Like, yeah, I don't deserve it. And yet God gives it to me. So why would I not extend that to somebody else? Like, yeah, that is, that's a great one. I mean, Jesus and Jesus shares that understanding with us. Go and forgive the way you have been forgiven. Mm -hmm. Go share grace the way you have received grace. So to be able to do that, we need to understand the grace that's been shared with us. Yeah. And, and it's so powerful. So yeah, as we grow in grace, as we learn, you know, so every time I go to the table to receive communion, Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that impacts me is that grace that, Jesus, you died for me yeah. that, that I don't deserve that. I know what I did that caused this table to be necessary. Mm-hmm. So that grace now, okay, now I'm going to turn back to the congregation. How am I going to interact with those people out there? Yeah. Based on how you just yeah. impacted me. Uh, a funny thing. Another, I, I think this is funny. My whole life I've known I'm black and white. Even my wife's like, oh man, you're so black and white. Even before we were married, <laughs> we took a strengths finder type thing where it's like very, there's like, millions of different like options of, of what your personality is. And yep. um, we sat with someone and they talked about them and described them to us. And one of hers is beliefs, which they explained it as you are, you believe this and it's very black and white. And I, this I was did, Lindsay's. Yeah. And I okay. did not have that on mine. So now like, now we joke like, Oh, who really, who's the more black and white person? So they, I, you know, so. And those tests are never wrong. No, they're never wrong. So but she, after she thought through, she's like, Oh yeah, you're actually right. Like I believe this and it's very hard to persuade her otherwise. So like she does have those. I think there's, <laughs> you know, I think that all of us have those certain areas of our lives where we are more black and white than others. Yes. Oh yeah. I think every one of us has those spots. And so it's just a matter of where the strength finder was asking about yeah. that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is funny that uh, you, you know, she was picking on you and yeah. it gets turned on her. Oh yeah. I think for, for me to, to suggest to the guys is uh, it goes along with what you just said, that the more we know about grace, mm-hmm. the more that, especially the grace that God shares with us, uh, it's going to help us to share grace with others. So on, on taking it to another level is to watch Jesus and God in other places of scripture, but to watch them and how they have this characteristic, this epikes of with others, mm. 
mm-hmm. in within their big story. Yeah. And instead of dealing with them in that split moment to, you know, to read one of the gospels, pick one of the gospels guys mm-hmm. and just read it with the lens of saying, I'm going to look at Jesus and how he interacts with every person that he comes in contact with and how does he treat them differently than they deserve. Yeah. Cause the black and white says, well, truthfully, they all deserve death <laughs> Yeah, because they're all sinners, but Jesus meets each and every one of them where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of, he interacts with the leper, the leper, he should have run from the leper based on the letter of the law, Yeah, but he didn't just run. He touched him. Yeah. Before yeah. he was healed, uh, the woman who was bleeding again, she would cause Jesus to be unclean yeah. by her touching his garment. Jesus didn't care. Yeah. He met her where she was and shared epikis. He was gentle with her and healed her. <clears throat> so guys, I just want to encourage you read the, one of the gospels and just watch through it with a lens and watch how Jesus interacts with others because Jesus then says to each and every one of us, Go and do likewise. Mm-hmm. You've watched me. This is what godliness looks like. Go and do it to others. Yeah. And so that challenges me every time I read the oh, gospels yeah. from that lens. And I see how Jesus interacts with others from their big picture through the eyes of grace. How can I follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. Well, Grant, uh, thanks for being on here, man. Yeah. For sure. This is a great one that you and I will continue to uh, encourage each other with Yeah, uh, as we watch each other share times with our kids, Mm -hmm. uh, interact with our wives, with the people on our staff that we help to manage. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to learn this one more and more. Yeah. And the cool thing is if we get better at it, Grant, it's not just going to bless their lives, but it's going to bless our lives too. Yeah. So it's going to be, we're going to get better at relationships. True. Yeah. And that's what Jesus wants for all of us. It's what Paul, when he was writing this to Timothy and Titus, it was what he was encouraging them to grow mm. into godly men and women because he wanted the individuals, the churches, the communities to be more godly, to be more holy. Yeah. So guys, uh, I want to encourage all of you out there to learn from Grant and I that you need to grow in this just like we do. And the more you grow in this one by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's only by God's grace that you're going to grow in this one. But as you do, you become more and more holy men. Have a great day.